Welcome to Licked and Loaded, everybody. I'm Laura Desiree, and in my continued mission of bringing you the real-life stories of sex workers today, I've got a guest that truly fascinates me. This is an individual who has made such a name for themselves on social media, even with all the censorship and restriction that lives uh, in the experience of sex workers online. This is somebody who has taken their real life story and their experiences in the business to the masses by sharing it uh, over Twitter, over Instagram, and very soon in the form of their own memoir. Joining me today is writer and sex worker, Liara Rue. Welcoming to Licked and Loaded today. I am so honored to have this writer, this storyteller, this sex worker and sex work activist, Liara Rue. Hello, darling. Hi, thank you so much for having me. What a thrill. You've become very much an obsession of mine as uh, your name first came my way and we had a wonderful night out together recently during Pride here in New York. Um, but it was really exploring you on social media and realizing just how much you seize the opportunity to tell your story that I became truly fixated on you as um, a, a very, a very bold and uh, remarkable young person today. I mean, my goodness. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah I really, I really love telling stories um, and I've tried writing fiction before, but people honestly just seem interested in memoir type stuff because I've had a pretty wild life. So I'm very honored in that way. And I, I, I absolutely want to get into your book that's dropping in November, The Whore of New York. But before that, for our audience that may be meeting you for the first time, I would love if you could just give us a little background what got you into escorting what made it high-end escorting and and how did that journey begin um so i first started getting interested in sex work in general when i moved out to san francisco after college i was working in tech um which i thought was going to be this like really great like meritocracy and then it was super misogynistic. Um, and so within like three months of starting, I was like completely done. Um, and I met this this person on OkCupid who was super hot and she was a dominatrix. Um, and I was like, oh, like, tell me more. Like, that's so cool. Um, and I just became obsessed with her job. I was like, wow, like, I wish I could do that for money instead of, you know, going into an office and dealing with asshole dudes all the time. Um, so I think like maybe like within like two weeks of meeting her, I made a profile on seeking arrangements. And then, yeah, just kind of all went downhill from there. <laughs> um, yeah, just, uh, I had a lot of fun, uh, yeah, with like making a persona and doing all the branding and everything was fun. And then I'm just, you know, super slutty. So the rest just came naturally. 
Right. So there was a very genuine calling to, you know, make a living out of yeah. sexuality. I, mm -hmm. I, I love that. I think that uh, it's one of the most beautiful offerings we have in the world is our passion uh, to sexuality and sharing it with each other. I mean, what what lessons did you learn the hard way in the early days of this profession for you? Was there anything that stood out as, oh my gosh, I can't believe that I ever thought this was part of the job or I made this approach? Um, I think at first I thought all clients were just there for sex. And like, I was just super focused on like the sex and, you know, all of that. And then it took me probably about a year to realize like fully that like a lot of clients aren't really there for the sex at all. They're there for the intimacy. And of course, sex is a way to be intimate. And I think for a lot of cis men, that's one of the ways they feel safest being intimate with someone. But it's like once they have had sex with you, then they're like, oh, like now I can talk about my feelings. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then that's like the really like important and cathartic part for them or yeah. for a lot of clients. Obviously, some clients are just there for the sex, but I mean, sex a lot of a lot of the people I got were very, very much into like, you know, me being a quasi therapist, I think such a part of a such a big big part of it i mean intimacy in itself it's so powerful you know it can be very profound when it's the the way that you access that side of yourself people have called sex an icebreaker on this show before <laughs> i love that i think that's so valid <laughs> yeah no i it's definitely like that for me and i've always been sort of like that where like after I have sex with someone, I'm just so much more comfortable around them. I think a lot of people are like that in general, because it's like, you know, they've already seen all your, all your weird, messy bits. So what else is there to be embarrassed of, you know? Yeah. And, and if you were honest in your pursuit of an orgasm, they probably saw all the transformations of yourself into that pleasure, which is also a strange, vulnerable point for a lot of people. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I love that. Who, who community wise in the early days, uh, how important was that? And who was there to kind of help you guide and govern your way through this business? So for me, I think it was actually a lot of pro doms because um, I was always sort of involved in the kink community. Um, actually, one of my first online internet friendships when I was like a kid on Neopets, I was friends with this woman who was like a pro dom living in San Francisco. And she was like, yeah, my life is great. I have this husband who lets me fuck whoever I want. And I just do all these like disgusting things to him. And he loves it. And I was like, uh, like, sign me up, please. Uh -huh. um, and so, yeah, I, I just gravitated towards the pro doms pretty naturally. And in San Francisco, there's a really amazing kink community. Um, I think you know, I, I love escorting because I really love sex and I like vanilla sex ultimately just as much as kinky stuff too. Um, but I do think in some ways it was harder for me to connect with a lot of other escorts because they um, would sometimes be squicked out by things that I would do. Obviously not all of them, but like, you know, I'd be like, oh yeah, like 
I peed all over this guy and then we like had sex and it was like super hot. They'd be like, uh, like that's weird. That's weird. But the pro doms didn't, I mean, some, some pro doms are, you know, a, a little horophobic and they're like, Oh, like I don't have sex with my clients, mm-hmm. but for the most part, people seem to get that, you know, I just had different boundaries than them and that was fine. Yeah, I mean, it's it sounds like there's elements of fusion there, you know, it's not just mm-hmm. one expectation that a client could have in, you know, a session with you, a yeah. date with you, an experience with you. I think that there's a very open mindedness in in your approach in navigating this business. Yeah, there's one one client even where um, he hired me for a totally vanilla session, had no idea, you know, how freaky I could get. And then um you know we're like an hour in and like I have like a fist in his ass and he's like sweating like probably came like three times so far and then at the end he's like he's like oh like that was really hot I was not expecting that maybe next time we can have some vanilla sex though because I think you're really hot like that too I was like oh yeah we can do that too but there's such a specific kind of sweat that comes from ass play. Oh like my God. Yeah. Fever shiver that comes through the body. Like I, I, that was an interesting learning curve for me was like, okay, there's like a whole different kind of sweat that is created and produced in the body when the ass is being the focal point of the play and the interaction. It's amazing. <laughs> oh yeah. There's a whole new level of intensity. And I think for a while, I was definitely like a prostate evangelist. And I was like, every man needs to get fucked in the ass at least once. I still, I still fully believe that. And if there's, if there's any men watching this who haven't been fucked in the ass, like, please, please try it. If it's a not like medically forbidden for some reason. Mm-hmm. I mean, and look, anatomy says it anatomy, biology, all of this has pointed that there is something in there that you should probably explore, at least for your own, you know, sake of curiosity, your own potential pleasure to unlock. Yeah, it's like the the male G-spot, so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. don't shy away, boys. No, and it's just, it's so, it's so available to you. Please oh, yeah. go forth with that. Oh, so, yeah. What, what would you say is the, the key to your success in sex work? I mean, many people can identify as an escort, but identifying as a high-end escort, we're talking much bigger, um, much bigger financial gain appointment by appointment, much uh, more opportunity for travel internationally. So how do you get to that level? How did you steer yourself that way? Um, I think I... I am very lucky to come from a background working in fashion. So I have some experience already, like working with photographers, setting up shoot, like doing a sort of like luxury branding. Um, And so I think that was really helpful. And then I think also like social media stuff. um, I ended up sort of accidentally gaining a pretty big following. Um, I think after someone posted photos of mine that I just had on my website onto Reddit and like, they really like totally blew up um, to the point where it crashed my site. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I had to like start paying for more bandwidth. 
Um, and then I was sort of like, oh, like, I guess people are really into it. Um, and so that's when I started doing more porn stuff. Originally, mm. I was just just doing escorting. Um, didn't even really show. There's a period yeah, where I didn't really like show my breasts or any, you know, it's always like undies on. Um, but it blew up so much. I was like, oh, I might as well do do some porn stuff as well. Like people seem to be interested in that. Um, and then I think clients were sort of like, oh, like, I think for some clients, it's just like, oh, like you have a bunch of Instagram followers, like you're, you're sort of a celebrity. And then they're just willing to pay more because they're like, oh, like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It all ties in. I mean, it's not just big corporate mainstream brands that benefit from big followings on these platforms. Oh, yeah, yeah. Individuals as well, right? So yeah. stop fucking policing us. Come on. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, I, I go through phases where I just like really burn out on social media because it's like, it's tough being shadow banned. And there was a period where Instagram would unshadow ban you if you mm. selected your gender as being male. And so I got to experience like a brief few weeks before I think they like their algorithm figured it out. But I was just like, you know, getting like, you know, eight, 9,000 likes where I was like previously getting like two or 3,000. I was like, oh, like how nice for the algorithm to like think I'm a man. Man, when you got that hardcore evidence, that just makes it so fucked up even further, right? Yeah, like, come on, painful. don't prove it to me. Don't prove it to me that this shit exists in, in your algorithms. My God. Yeah. Oh, how disappointing, but that's the reality. It's one of the many realities of, you know, being a sex worker and trying to have any kind of presence in yeah. the public. But you you've taken this to such a level that is is like I said I'm 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 just in awe of it because you've shared your story so so publicly over the years on your social media. I mean, how did that idea spark and not just come into your mind but become an action to to take that effort and share your experiences in sex work with the public? Um, I think for me, it was really about this desire to destigmatize the industry, you know, and, you know, obviously, I've had terrible experiences at work, just as probably anyone working in any industry has. Um, but I've also had really positive ones. And I think for a lot of people, the fact that I used to work in tech, and probably could still be, if I wanted to, and chose to do sex work instead, um, really drives home the point that, like, yes, obviously, some people turn to sex work because they don't have any other options, and we should make other options available for them. But for some people like me, like, I really like the, like, sort of sex therapy part of it. Like, I often am, like, getting off, you know, like, especially, like, you know, working with clients that are kinky or have, like, intimacy issues where I feel like I'm really, like, helping them open up and explore, like, just someone who, like, really desperately needs to get off. It's, like, it's fun, you know? I, like, it. it, it is something that I'm passionate about. And so I think, um, yeah, it was, it was, it felt very important to me to, like, share that with the world. Um, and I think, uh, I think it has helped. Like, people have reached out to me and 
emailed me and said, oh, you know, like, I always thought it was like this really dark industry where people were just abused. And, you know, obviously abuse does happen, but um, it's not necessarily because of the nature of the work itself. It's just because that can happen anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And especially with it being forced into an underground, which I hope is temporary, at least in our lifetime, I would love to see it move up another level, another level, another level of acceptance. But, you know, because it is part of, it still identifies as somewhat of an underground that, you know, there is more opportunity to get away with some, some really bad behavior. I'll say that, you know, that's. Yeah. The more criminalization there is, the more, girls who are in a vulnerable place have to rely on people who know how to navigate that system who often are terrible people you know yeah it's heartbreaking you know yeah it really is really really is talk to us about the whore of new york ah that is my memoir which is coming out soon i think it'll be coming out in october don't have the like super specific release date yet but you can pre-order it and it will be delivered to your door Hmm. on the the proper day um but yeah it's just my story um i decided to start with like my childhood just so that people can sort of fully understand the journey um that i took with sex work and getting into the industry um i you know started in like a super conservative Christian family. And then um, in a lot of ways, sex work was a way for me to really um, reclaim my sexuality and just sort of be like, yeah, like I am a slut and I love it. Like, so what, you know, I'm gonna make my living from it. And um, the sex work community I think is in a lot of ways, like most open-minded and accepting people I've had the the honor of getting to know. And and the most uh, intelligent, fabulous, beautiful, aura bright people of the world. Yes, Yes. I am saying they are superior. We are a superior breed. I I think there's value in exploring your sexuality. It's just been a a latest um, fixation of mine that being, you know, if we can encourage more people to explore their arousals, um, and I don't mean act upon them, I mean explore them, investigate yeah. it, see where this stems from, and just what kind of pleasure and stimulation it grants you, the deeper understanding you have of yourself. There's a, a potency to the most unique part of yourself in your sexuality. And it sounds like you yourself have the opportunity to unleash that by you know, going by way of sex work. Yeah. To, to further investigate your own kinks, pleasures, and, and arousal points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I think, you know, the way sex work was talked about growing up was probably a large part of why I was drawn to it, you know, mm-hmm. because it's like, oh, it was so bad. Like, I remember thinking when I was like a little kid, you know, I was like, oh no, like if I ever stop being Christian, I'm just going to be immediately drawn into like the den of vice, like, filled with like hookers and drugs and I mean I guess it happened you know they were irresistible (laughs) sounds like a good time I was like Jesus like say otherwise 
nothing will be able to prevent me from going as soon as I can. Yeah. <laughs> and dove in head first. What I find oh, yeah. really interesting is you call it uh, not just horror of New York, you call it horror of New York, a confession. A confession. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the titles I was sort of throwing around, um, but my publisher said he thought people might read it to like, not a, not with as much irony as I intended it, um, was Confessions of a Sinful Woman. Mm. Um, and that is actually taken from the Bible. Like there's this, this verse um, where Jesus is talking to like a, a sinful woman and she comes and she like pours perfume all over his feet and then like washes them like with her hair. Wow. And then um her, his disciples are like oh like that's so disgusting like don't you know what she does like don't you know how she got that money and like why is she wasting all this money on like perfume for your like feet of all things which are so dirty and he was like no like she's like the most blessed of all and i jesus was so down with hookers <laughs> yes. like are you kidding me like he would party with them all the time like he would have these like dinners with them you know where they're all like drinking a bunch of wine and like eating a ton of food and i'm like yeah sounds like a great time you know i would probably have partied with jesus probably jesus yeah. was probably with us at bound yeah jesus was with us uh, at the night. party we met at yeah that's right that's right where i i believe uh, for about a solid hour, we danced across from each other in that sweaty, perfect, in dewy cave of black attire, which, you yeah. know, is, is my kind of fantasy right there. Mm -hmm. That was a magical evening. Yeah, it was beautiful. And, and as you're putting this, this book together, this memoir, this confession, how do you decide what goes into it and what goes out? Was there a deliberate intent? Is there an impact in particular that you want this piece to make? Um, yeah, I want people to see that the industry is really nuanced. You know, I don't want to paint it as something that's just like totally glamorous all the time. I definitely have some like really cringy stories in there, you know, yeah. Uh, there's one in particular that's like about this one booking I had early on that was just like so gross, but I like didn't know how to, you know, assert my boundaries at that point. And so I sort of like, you know, had this like really miserable experience. Um, and I don't I don't want to pretend that things like that don't happen. But then, you know, I've also had these like super glamorous, glorious like international trips with like clients that are super hot and I totally get along with, you know, and I'm like, I'm not going to not write about that either. Like you got to take the bad with the good, but yeah, it, my desire is to just, you know, sort of humanize it. And like, you know, obviously my experiences are not typical. I've had, you know, probably a crazier time than most people <laughs> in the yeah. industry, but um, yeah, it's a, uh, it's just life, you know, we're just people. We're like extremely hot, super cool people, but we are still, still people. 
I mean, there's so much to explore, right? Why yeah. the fuck do people wait till retirement to start living? Why the fuck do people live vicariously through others? I, those expressions, they just, they break my heart because you are your own individual engine machine. Go out there and seize these moments and these opportunities. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. You know, you speak very, uh, very candidly and confidently about some celebrity encounters you've had. Oh, uh, yeah. That, that had me bust my ass open laughing when I came across the Justin Bieber piece and I came across the Lindsay Lohan piece. I mean, <laughs> do, you, do, you get, do you get in any kind of trouble with their people for speaking about them? Um, so I mean, I think those stories are pretty benign, you know, it's like, not like I really knew them. It was just like a chance encounter at a party. Um, I think, you know, the celebrities who have hired me or who I've met in other ways, um, I wouldn't write about them in that way, just because I do think it would be sort of crossing a boundary. Um, but I'm like, yeah, like if Lindsay Lohan throws a drink at me at a party and we don't know each other like I feel like I have every right to write about that yeah absolutely oh, <laughs> a fucking great like, if you don't want strangers to write about you acting crazy at a party then don't act crazy at a party. <laughs> then don't, then don't act crazy at a fucking party okay oh, yeah but um yeah other people you know I I might write about sort of an abstract and Right. Obfuscate, shift around details so that it would be pretty impossible to tell who they actually are. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, uh, you know, you work long enough in LA and you meet some people for sure. <laughs> no shit. It's, I'm, I'm, <laughs> it's, it's very, very, very tight knit. And once oh, yeah. you're in that seam, whoa, you are going stitching through, aren't you? Yep. Yeah, yep. it's Hollywood. It's totally Hollywood. So uh, I know that this question can be so annoying, but I always love to ask it because sometimes you get a really, you get a unique perspective here. Um, the public obviously is just flooded with misconceptions about the industry and, and about what really happens in sex work. Uh, from your own experience, uh, interacting with the public and, and sharing your story publicly, do you, would you say there's an overriding misconception that anyone outside of the business has about sex work? Um, yeah, there are definitely a lot of a lot of misconceptions. I think the biggest one um, is, you know, this sort of focus on the the clients and you know the clients exploiting us or you know that part of the work. Um, when really I think the most interesting part of the work to me is the community that we have. Hmm. Um, and I, I find it interesting. You can always, yeah, you often see in like shows written by civilians, like the most, the part that's the most focused on is the part where the sex worker is meeting the client, but that's the boring part. You know, the most exciting part is when we're all together, like, talking shit talking shop like going to a party and like sex with other sex workers is like definitely next level you know like you're a professional at anything 
you're gonna get pretty good at it usually, you know? And so there's a lot of, uh, a lot of skilled fingers, tongues and other uh, implements out there. Um, and yeah, we're all dating each other. I mean, not everyone, but like for the most part, like we're all dating each other, we're all like totally in love this big like polyamorous cuddle puddle and to me I'm like why aren't people crazy about that like you know enough of these shows where it like portrays sex work as a super isolating like hard thing I'm like it's you know the community is great and I'm sure for some people it is isolating if they haven't met community and are sort of disconnected but once you get into that world it's like how can you be friends with normal people again? Mm. Civilians, <laughs> joking. <laughs> Bless their hearts, truly. Yeah. This has been so much fun. This has been a, a treat, a treasure, my goodness. Uh, if there was a pinch me moment in your life where you said, come on, this isn't my life. Come on, wake me up somebody. Uh, what would that be? Um, the one that immediately comes to mind is being flown out to Dubai by this like super hot, like ripped doctor um, who just like took me shopping, like fed me a bunch of incredible food. And then we just had like really hot sex. And I was just like, I'm getting paid for this. Like really, like this, this is what I'm getting paid for. like okay you know <laughs> i'll take it <laughs> and i mean all all tricks gifts and hard-earned uh um rewards aside what does get you off getting other people off at the mm. end of the day i like seeing how people tick and yeah getting it getting it out of them hot electric right mm, love yeah. it love it well for our viewers that are watching listening however you're consuming this how can we get in touch and learn more about the fabulous liara rue so you can find me on instagram and twitter both at liara rue um and then from there you know just click all my links i have a Substack too which is where you'll find the infamous lindsay lohan and justin bieber stories which, um, yeah, they're humiliating for me to write, but I'm glad everyone's enjoying them. <laughs> Deeply. This is such a, a wonderful, wonderful moment here with you. Thank you so very much for joining us. And uh, everyone who is uh, on the consuming side of things, I hope you enjoyed this as well. We'll see you next time here on Licked and Loaded. Bye. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my God, you're the best. This has been a CAM4 radio production. Come say hi at www.cam4radio.com.